Welcome to Resilient Forward, a podcast created by Baguette Group to educate the public and promote solutions to Florida's most challenging environmental issues. I'm your host, Irela Baguette. I've been a longtime advocate of the environment and the economy. I invite you to join me every week as we showcase resilient solutions, feature innovative strategies, products, and services from prominent members of the business community, including industry leaders, advocates, and elected officials all engaged in developing and implementing resilient solutions in their community. But with me today, I'm very excited because I have two of my favorite people and business partners, Dr. Alec Bogdanoff and Michael Antonetti, a professional engineer, both co-founders of Brazaga, a consulting firm dedicated to um, helping communities become more resilient to the effects of sea level rise and long-term challenges in weather patterns. So Alec and Mike, tell us a little bit more about how you um, started Brazaga, how you ended up working in resilience and really helping communities um, become adaptable to the future and to protect themselves from um, storm surge, sea level rise, and, and impacts from weather and flooding. Great. Thanks, Rella. Um, thank you for having us. I'll tell you a little bit about myself, um, how I got to where I am, and then I'll let Mike introduce himself and his background a little. So um, I have a PhD in physical oceanography from a joint program between MIT and the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution. Um, I also have a bachelor's and master's in meteorology from Florida State. So I, I both have a love of weather and the ocean. Um, uh, throughout my PhD, I was involved in policy work. I've also been involved in politics pretty much my whole life and realized I, I loved research, but I really wanted to do applied research. And I, I unfortunately, I think sometimes in, in academia, it takes a little too long for me um, personally to uh, see the fruits of your labor. So I felt the kind of private industry policy was where I wanted to go. So I had an opportunity to work for a U.S. senator on ocean and environmental policy in Washington, D.C., during which time I learned a lot about what we weren't doing on sea level rise. Um, and really wanted to focus on that. Um, so after the last presidential election, I moved back home to South Florida, um, did a short stint with a startup company and uh, reconnected with Mike, who I've known since high school. And we really set out to create a company that could help people. Um, something that we both saw a lot of was great. I see all the maps. I know I'm at risk. What do I do about it? And no one was really coming in and saying, what do I do? How do I help these people? How do I help people adapt, whether you're a small business or an individual? And so we wanted to really bring cost-effective, realistic solutions to people because the truth is the king tides we're seeing today are really a coming attraction of what we're going to be seeing in the future. Yeah, that's right. Um, hi, guys. I'm Mike. <laughs> um, so my background is as a civil and coastal engineer. I, I got my bachelor's from my bachelor's and my master's from the University of Florida. Go Gators. Go Knowles. <laughs> um, and I studied civil and coastal engineering. And I, I what that means really is that I study how we build things on the coastline, whether that's, um, you know, along the open beaches, anywhere on the waterfront between marinas and seawalls and things like that, um, to ports and harbors, inlets, beach management, all that kind of stuff. And I worked down in Miami for a long time and, and saw what some of the storms could do here. And after, after Superstorm Sandy happened in New York, I moved up there to work on some of the recovery efforts just because 
I felt like that's really where I needed to be. Um, but ultimately, I ended up moving back down to my hometown in South Florida to focus on sea level rise because New York was dealing with it and I knew Florida was just as much at risk, if not more so. We have so much waterfront here. Um, and I knew it was where my uh, expertise was needed and could best be applied. And like Alex said, we happened to reconnect um, at, a, at a startup company down here and we decided that we could really make the most impact and affect, you know, have the, have the greatest influence in the most positive way by branching off and, and starting this company and focusing on solutions and giving people uh, the right tools that they need in order to adapt. That's great. And, and, and I think that's basically why I was attracted to both of you uh, when we met um, working, you know, interestingly enough for the same startup and um, kind of all had that same mission that we really wanted to, you know, not just give people bad news, but let them know, hey, you know what, there are solutions and there are um, opportunities to make your communities, make your homes, make your businesses more resilient to, you know, extreme weather events and, 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 and storm surge and sea level rise in the future. So um, I think, you know, it's a great partnership. I'm, we've worked on, on many projects already together for small cities and even some private sector folks. Give us um, an example or a snapshot on, you know, the typical client that you've worked with or one of your favorite uh, projects to date. I think one of um, the things I, one of my favorite projects, one of kind of my favorite avenues that we've worked is really with developers. Um, I think a lot of developers, especially in South Florida, get a bad rap for they're building buildings and, and they don't care about the community, but there are, there is a growing segment of the development community that is really focused on thinking about how we build a community and not just a building. Yeah, it shows me that what they really want to do is build a South Florida that's going to last. Right, no. of course. And, and you know, there is that misperception that we're just building here like gangbusters and not taking the environment into account when, you know, the environment actually is the economy here. I always say it and preach it all the time. <laughs> yeah, we, we got to work with a developer looking at a half a billion dollar development on the beach and review it um, and provide some recommendations. And ultimately it was being built as a, a fairly resilient building. And interestingly, it was some of the current codes and regulations that were prohibiting it from being more resilient. Yeah, what these developers are trying to do, they want to make sure that they're protected against future flooding. So they'll come to us and they'll ask us about um, you know, future tide levels. They'll ask us about future storm surge levels what, um, and how they can think about that in their design process. You know, maybe building a seawall so high, it's, it's not the most uh, visibly pleasing thing to people. You don't want to look, you don't want it to look like you're staring at a wall. But at some point in the future, you're going to need that higher seawall. So we'll work with them to figure out ways that they can build what we call uh, flexible adaptability into these seawalls so that they can come back on it later. And, and so they expand. can like come like, like Lego blocks. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Very cool. Exactly. Yeah. And see, those are the kinds of, you know, products that people don't even know are out there. And developers, you know, all, all, other developers that aren't as savvy and aren't, you know, um, looking at the data of sea level rise 
uh, and, and do want to build here to stay, that they should be looking into these kinds of products and, and, and services. Um, talk to me about other solutions, um, more, more for the average homeowner, for example. What can, you know, you know we've, we've heard and we've read a lot about what's going on in Miami Beach. They have sunny day flooding, um, it's tidal, yeah. it comes and goes, but as we know, because of the, you know, data that we have, these flooding events are just going to become more frequent. So as we move forward and sea level rise becomes a bigger, bigger threat, um, what can the average homeowner do right now? I'll let Mike tell you a little bit about the engineering part of it, but let's start with kind of the data and the science, which is it depends on what type of flooding you're talking about, right? So ultimately, there are simple solutions. Building higher seawalls will keep tidal flooding off of your property. That creates other issues because like a kind of, if you think of an aisle like on Las Olas or in Miami Beach, as a ship, you know, you have one hole in the ship, one seawall that's lower than the rest, doesn't matter. You're still going to flood in that area. So ultimately, if you kind of think about what are you trying to be resilient from, what are you trying to stop flooding from? Because if it's rainfall you're worried about, that's going to be a very different approach than tidal flooding or storm surge. So kind of thinking about, let's let's take off our... Um, so you know, let's unpackage, sea level rise. unpackage let's, right, the let's, flooding. So let's so first let's first start talking about sea level rise, and seawalls are kind of a first line of defense yeah. and backflow preventers. Yeah, backflow preventers. What they are essentially they're add-ons to pipes that lead out to the seawall, and that's where water drains. So water it'll collect on the street, go down the storm drain, and go out this pipe into the bay. Um, and a backflow preventer is is a piece of um, a piece of hardware that's installed on the pipe itself and it prevents water from being able to come back up the pipe and out through the storm drain. So that's that's a critical piece of that first line of defense because it doesn't matter how high your seawall is, if you don't have that backflow preventer in place, the water is still just going to come right up the drain. Right. And, and yes, like in South Florida, we are in limestone, so we do have a very long-term issue with groundwater inundation. But I think one of the things we need to think about is let's focus on our immediate flooding risks and we can build the long-term flooding risks into how we build our future Miami, future Fort Lauderdale. Right. And right. those immediate flooding risks generally come from these rain bombs that we've heard about in <laughs> Miami and Miami Beach um, and storm surge. Those, yeah. those are the big things that really can cause widespread damage, can really uh, influence a community a lot more than tidal flooding will today. Um although it will in the future, and we need to think about how we're going to build that in. We'll and, just and call rain bombs a colloquial term, because I'm not sure yeah, what scientifically that, it means. I think it was kind of, uh, it, you know, we heard it first from a, from a couple of local mayors down here to explain the, the uh, periods during tropical downpours, actually is what, what they are during the summertime, that just like rains like three inches yeah, in like they, three hours, in, in like two hours or something. Hour, yeah, or something crazy like hour. that. Exactly. So... You know, I guess that would be that would constitute a, a rain bomb. But um, but focusing on, on a different kind of flooding, you mentioned storm surge and we are, you know, in National Preparedness Month. So what are the kinds of things that communities in general we saw last year? You know, Houston flooding. We saw, you know, Miami had its its, you know, issue with uh, Hurricane Irma and some flooding and the horrific, horrific um, um, Hurricane Maria disaster in Puerto Rico. So what can some of these communities or, you know, states even um, implement to think about in the future 
Um, and I know there's a lot of land planning and a lot of like, you know, uh, you know, policy decisions that need to be made, even in building codes, like we did here during Hurricane Andrew in 1992. People, a lot of people forget that we did well with Irma because of our strong building codes for wind. So right. when, it, when we're looking at flooding and we're, when we know what's coming with sea level rise and you add storm surge to that, it just becomes a lot more impactful and not more dangerous. Yeah, so Alec, I, I'm gonna leave that question to you just because <laughs> when we are talking about communities and, and state level things, those do seem to be more policy oriented. And, and, and they need to be driven by what's practical, especially from the engineering side. So uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head on sea level rise. We talk a lot about tidal flooding. We talk a lot about king tides. Frankly, it's a nuisance, but the real danger is that storm that used to happen once every 100 years with two feet of sea level rise now becomes a once every 50 years. Or that storm that you used to see once a mortgage cycle you're now going to see three, four times a mortgage cycle with a couple feet of sea level rise. That's going to be the the ultimate driver of significant action in a community. So it's it's going to require changes in policy from what we would call you know uh, finished floor elevations, base flood elevations, freeboard, whatever you want to call it. But basically, we need to raise the finished floor of a structure, right? We need to raise that first floor. We need to think about how to build systems that can withstand storm surge and then most importantly we need to start thinking about where our critical infrastructure is that cannot be touched by storm surge and figure out what we're going to do with that infrastructure whether we raise it adapt it um or we we move it somewhere else that's less vulnerable right so that sounds like a lot of decision making and um i know that we're all working in our local community um, and educating not just the public, but also our policymakers at the same time. There's a lot of science and there's a lot of, um, you know, engineering. Uh, and not all of us are, you know, PhDs or professional engineers. So, you know, when you, when you start talking about making these decisions, I think, um, you know, how we package uh, the problem. And I think that there's there, there's a solution even there because we, we know the, the best thing about this issue is that we have the information, we have the data, and so it's irrefutable. So we know what's going to happen 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 years from now. So knowing that, you know, we can start, and we have down here where I think we're, we're one of the best examples for the nation in that, in, in that regard. We have four counties that have been working to, together for the last 10 years um, in the Southeast Regional, with the Southeast Regional Climate Compact. And there are a lot of solutions, a lot of policy direction and a lot of solutions in their work. However, it's taking that work and making it actionable is what is important. And... Um, and I think that was thunder. It was. <laughs> and on that note, I think we're going to start wrapping it up <laughs> as we're expecting another rain bomb to happen I, any minute. <laughs> you're right. What we, what we need to do is we need to figure out how to implement solutions. And that's really where we need to go. Yeah. And a, a lot of that comes from understanding risk tolerances, right? Um, and defining different levels of service for specific types of infrastructure. You know, if we consider some of our roadways, let's just talk about those for a second. There are certain roads, like I-95, 
that cannot be shut down. Like if, if I-95 closes, it it ripples across the entire Oh, county. yeah. We know what happens when there's a major incident. Right. So right. we imagine. So, so right. for weather events to shut that down, especially when we know or can, you know, are pretty good at estimating how often those might happen, um, we need to be able to predict those and be prepared for those. But for, you know, some smaller neighborhood roads, especially if there are other detours that can be taken, um, you know, some of those we may have to say at, at some point, we're going to let that flood every so often. But, you know, those those kinds of events. And detour around it, like exactly. we do now for construction. <laughs> exactly. And that's all part of the planning process. Right. You know, right. Knowing what you're going to have to do and educating people on how we're going to react as a community when these kinds of things happen. And that takes me to innovation and technology, which also um, gets me very hopeful that Every day, you know, I mean, we have to change our iPhone every six months practically. So, you know, you know, technology is moving at a, a rate of speed. <laughs> there, there's another thunder. <laughs> a rate of speed. And um, I think that at some point we're going to be able to, to merge the two. I, I can see, you know, having a, an app on my phone that will basically tell me, you know, how soon the rain is coming and where, what streets to avoid in order to like you know not be caught in a flood we're getting there and i know we're getting there and so that is why we decided to produce this podcast because we want to talk about the solutions it's not doom and gloom and you know the environment again is the economy and i i've always say and i use the words climate change i have no problem with that and i hope my listeners don't either uh climate change can be good for business and with that um i'm going to thank my guest uh, Alec and Mike from Brazaga uh, for being for being my first <laughs> and um, and look forward to to more um, conversations and more working together and perhaps we can bring our listeners some examples of some of our future projects once they're once they're done <laughs> thank you so much guys have a great one Thank you for joining us on this episode of Resilient Forward. You can listen to other podcasts at resilientforward.com and follow us on Twitter at ResilientFWD. If you're interested in sponsoring our show or know someone who we should feature, please contact us. Remember, our environment is our economy.